Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Culture Night. Where each week we drink fancy wine and watch movies that are in some way culturally significant. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sarah. And we want to start by, again, thanking everybody who's listening, who's watching on YouTube, all the podcast platforms. We've also had a huge bump up in our number of views on our shorts on YouTube this week. So that was pretty exciting mm-hmm. and um, hoping that that turns into more subscribers and viewers and listeners on all the things. We still need to list, on, list ourselves on um, YouTube music podcast, though. I know. Still work on that. I know. Again, it was on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. To, to-do list is tough to get to. Mm-hmm. But this is episode nine. Yes, nine. Oh man, I can't believe next week's mm-hmm. ten. Almost the double of the digits. So, um, let's uh, hop into some podcast business. Yes, we want to start by apologizing for our audio snafu last week. Um, we are still used getting used to the roadcaster, and we switched one of the settings of um, how it downloads to the editing software, and just didn't check whether or not it was mono or stereo. And, anyways. I think we fixed it for this week and I know how what to look for this time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was sorry. all kind of on one ear just because of the way it does the the tracks when you export it. Um and I guess listening to it on the laptop wasn't as evident when mm-hmm. that it was um not the, not playing from both ears, but um got that fixed pretty quickly. So yes. should be able to fix that going forward. Yep. And uh now we are still riding high from last week. Um we're mm-hmm. gonna go into our slept on it portion where we revisit last week where we watched Top Gun from 1986 and to start with does your rating change after sleeping on it I don't remember what my rating was so I'm gonna say I want to say it was eight that feels about right yeah mine was um seven at the end of the movie last week Mm -hmm. and after listening to last week's podcast about Indiana Jones and how I rated that 6.8 I enjoyed Top Gun far more than I enjoyed Indiana Jones so I'm going to bump my rating up to a 7.6 I really enjoyed it yeah I I really actually want to watch it again I know um (laughs) it it was it was really good and um I guess we'll get to it in, in a little bit but we the very next night watched um Top Gun Maverick that you were just so excited about it that I could tell you liked it so much because normally you're like okay next movie mm-hmm. whereas this time you're like I need to see more yeah I, w- I wasn't done I need I'm, mm-hmm. I can't believe most other people waited what like 35 years between the original we and 35 the hours <laughs> and, yep we that's about it <laughs> yeah I guess you did some deep dives I did, yes. I did one so um, I'll start in, with you in keeping with our we need to know more about these movies we I did a couple deep dives I mentioned last week that I would look into the MPAA ratings for movies and first of all MPAA stands for Motion Picture Association of America but I believe now it's MPA they dropped of America it's just the Motion Picture Association and this rating system replaced the Hayes production code which was used from the 30s to the 60s which mostly um, was just like a self-censorship mm-hmm. type of rating system. And they told them what they could and couldn't put in there. And they just were, it was up to the movie producers, I guess, to censor their own movies. Gotcha. And then when the this new system was put in place, there were four major categories. This was in 1966. Um, it was G for general audiences, M for mature audiences, R for restricted, um, which means no children under 17 allowed without a parent or adult guardian, and then X, which was no one under 17 admitted at all. So I guess that's where the whole X rated comes from. You don't really hear that nowadays. It's yeah. all R. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that system, obviously that has been revised. And um, in 1969, um, the M rating was um, changed to PG for parental guidance. So I guess 
going from mature to parental guidance yeah. makes a little bit more sense, especially for these movies that we've been watching in the sixties, seventies, eighties, where it was, I mean, it wasn't, it was called PG mm-hmm. by the time we watched most of these yeah. movies, but that helps that make a little yeah. bit more sense. I guess as they kind of f- figured out where the boundaries of those were, but coming like, if you, if you think of those instead of being rated PG as just being rated mature, it makes a lot mm-hmm. more sense. Um, and then in 1984, they added the PG 13 label. And then in 1990, they dropped the X rating and just call it NC 17 instead. And these ratings are determined by the Classifications Rating Administration uh, via a board comprised of an independent group of parents. So parents make the ratings, which I guess makes mm-hmm. sense if you want parents of the current time censoring the current movies that are coming out and like what they... Yeah, I wonder if they really kind of adapt that like based on current popular sentiment or if it mainly just kind of stays. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't go too deep into mm-hmm. what qualifications are for being on that board, but... Mm-hmm. Interesting. I found it interesting that it was parents. Um, so then the other one I said I was going to look into was aviator sunglasses and you know, which came first chicken or the egg, mm-hmm. the sunglasses or the name or whatever. Um, and they were, um, developed by Bausch and Lomb in 1936, um, specifically for aviator pilots. They were not called aviators at the time, but, mm-hmm. um, they were designed to protect their eyes from flying and they were designed to replace what, um, the outmodeled, um, flight goggles that had previously been used which is a little bit of a throwback to like, was it the jerk where he had the leather cap and goggles? Mm -hmm. So the aviators were to replace those like goggle protection. Yeah. I guess it'd be a lot more comfortable to fly in those than having full on goggles. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And they were, they were lighter, thinner and more elegantly designed according to this website. Um, And they, this style of sunglasses is credited as being one of the first popularized style of sunglasses to be developed. So I guess sunglasses weren't super popular before this first sunglass style. Yeah. Interesting. And um, when they went to be um, marketed to the the non-military people, it was when they started going by Ray-Bans. So they were mm-hmm. Ray-Bans aviators when they were um, sent out to the public. And um, they were made really famous by General Douglas MacArthur when he was uh, photographed wearing them when he landed on the beaches in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other famous people who are known for wearing them are Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley. Also, the advertisement for when they were um, sent out to the public was the um, like tagline for them was they are real scientific glare protection. So backed by science. Yeah, they were and they were sold as sporting equipment. Interesting. So they were originally designed for mm-hmm. aviator pilots, but they were not called aviators until they became. Yeah, I bet there's probably a huge blow up after uh, Top Gun came out too with the oh. whole like rise of, of sales. Yeah, and it kind of talked about how they kind of like have risen mm-hmm. and fallen in popularity, especially like with like Michael Jackson and some of those like other famous people mm-hmm. bringing them back into popularity. But I'm sure Top Gun, mm-hmm. huge spike in sales after that. I looked into like Top Gun, like the real Top Gun, the school that it, it's based off of. And it's, you know, an actual course. Um, and it's uh, comprised, or at least originally was comprised of uh, a thirteen-week course or two um, nine-week courses. So the main one we that the movie's based on is like based off the thirteen-week course, and it is like you know supposed to be training the, the best of the best. The real like background behind it, um, or its real kind of like um, claim to fame, was during the Vietnam War. Basically, uh, for every let's say like million launches of the planes we were losing like a thousand planes. So it was kind of like a high like um, loss ratio. And so during the Vietnam war um, was when the Top Gun like school was really developed and there had been like a cease, uh, cease in like the uh, fighter bombings. And that happened to kind of coincide with like this, this um, training for the Naval aviators. 
And so when they picked back up with that, with all of the, the bombings, they found that their um, uh, kill to death ratio um, had fallen from 2.42 kills per de- death of, of like losing a, a plane to 12.5 to one. So much better there. Uh, whereas the um, air force that didn't um, incorporate a school like this during the same time actually saw their um, kill to death ratio um, kill ratio worsen. So that kind of like really kind of legitimized the whole um, top gun as, as it's mm-hmm. in school. Um, but what I find really interesting is that um, ever since the movie came out, um, if you reference top gun, the, the movie while at the school that it incurs an immediate $5 cash fine. So they don't want people like going around just like making fun of everything. They, they say it's for, uh, they want an atmosphere of professionalism. They don't want a bunch of people just like quoting and making fun of it and be, being there. just that, to, like, goof that makes sense mm-hmm. for sure. You're, I mean, it's not like a, like being in college or some kind of mm-hmm. goofing around thing. It's a pretty serious yeah. business that they're trying to take care of. There, it's kind of interesting because there is a definite relationship with, um, between the military and Hollywood. Cause this is Top Gun is basically like propaganda for joining mm-hmm. the military or joining at least, um, they definitely the, make it look cool. Yeah. Joining the, the Navy in that case. And so in that partnership, generally like Hollywood gets access to film a lot of places they wouldn't otherwise be able to. And the military gets to benefit from all of the um, adverti- free advertisement essentially. So it totally makes sense why you wouldn't want people just like going around making fun of it all the times. But I find it's funny. Like you probably have to carry like a stack of cash because I'm sure it's so hard to resist like oh making, God, for sure. making a joke like without even thinking about it. But kind of funny there. Very interesting. Um, so that's it for our deep dives. And now we'll hop into Top Gun Maverick for just a few minutes because mm-hmm. we talked about doing like a special bonus episode, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's not too much to say. Yeah, we'll give it a, a quick couple minutes though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how the the very beginning, it was like the same, almost like exact same opening sequence, same songs and everything that if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't really notice like, is this the new one or is it the old one? Mm-hmm. Obviously the uh, footage looked a little bit cleaner in the, in the new one, uh, but it was a really good kind of like throwback to the original. Yeah. And I, I think I loved it even more because I'd mentioned when we watched the original Top Gun, how much I loved the opening scene is I felt like it really set, you know, the mm-hmm. setting of the movie there on the aircraft carrier, all the jobs that everybody does. And then to see it again, come back in mm-hmm. the, um, in the new movie. I was, I was really excited to see all that again. Yeah. Um, we also had a little bit of diversity though, making it, mm-hmm. bringing it into the present times of making sure we include everybody as, and by real diversity, I really just mean there was a woman in the mm-hmm. group of <laughs> yeah. pilots. Yeah, it was, um, definitely a much more modern, um, group there. Um, and which I anticipated yeah. what well, wasn't a huge amount, but I imagine that it probably more represents more of what the current, um, makeup is mm-hmm. in the actual, um, military at that, at those levels that, you know, at least making headway there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a more modern casting there for sure and everyone will be pleased to know that they fixed tom cruise's unibrow in the new movie and but by fixed it i mean they he, they, he had, must clean, have had it waxed. <laughs> yes and i'm i'm sure it was fixed many many years before then but, um, but they didn't fix his teeth I, I assumed his teeth would have been like completely brilliant white all like veneers uniform, yeah. reshaped and but uh definitely seems to be at least his original teeth there so mm-hmm. i feel like there may be a little bit straighter but not not mm-hmm. a huge difference. Yeah. Yes. So we were really just paying close attention to Tom Cruise's yeah. personal looks. But definitely a, a great movie. I, it had it got a lot of hype, and mm-hmm. I was afraid that it was not going to live up to it. Um, but I definitely enjoyed the second one. They made it seem mostly, 
you know, believable and realistic. And mm-hmm. and I feel like it had a, a good amount of crossover, like just enough for the nostalgia, especially we're living in such a time where everybody is mm-hmm. rebakes and rewatches and bringing rebooting things. Um, but I was afraid it would be a little too much, but I think it was just enough of the things that you liked from the first movie mm-hmm. without being the exact same movie again yeah. and brought it into modern times. It's just interesting how they were com- like, I assume very purposely vague about who the, the enemy was mm-hmm. in Maverick because there's not really anyone they probably want to single out of any single culture or country or something like that to just Mm -hmm. say we got to take out the enemy and you never really see them at all Mm -hmm. but i like that though i feel like it Mm -hmm. it does make it a little bit easier to root against the enemy when you don't know who they are for sure for sure (laughs) yeah cool all right so are we ready for tonight yeah let's move on all right what are we drinking tonight uh tonight it's the 2017 tobin james pinot noir from the arroyo grand valley pull the bottle Another Tobin James. I believe this one is from one of our newer shipments, mm-hmm. so it should be a fresher bottle, maybe mm-hmm. from our November. Was that when we get the last one? Maybe. I mean, 2017 is a lot closer than like the 2013s and 14s. I feel like we've been having a lot, mm-hmm. but let's uh, let's check it out. It smells nice. Mm-hmm. Definitely getting a lot of like dark fruit on the on the mm-hmm. nose. It had something on the nose, but I, it slipped me before I could grasp my mind around it. And man, I get, I get like, um, like sweet tart. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not like super, super tart or anything like that, but like the flavor just feels like. It's a, just that little bit of an aftertaste of mm-hmm. a sweet tart and almost like that, like raspberry sourness. Mm-hmm. It feels very light too. Mm-hmm. I'm usually not a big Pinot Noir girl. You like them a mm-hmm. lot more than I do, but I enjoy this one so far. Yeah, for how dark on the first is, two sips. For how dark it is, it just feels very, very light, mm-hmm. very good. It looks dark this way, but when I mean, as I was pouring it, I noticed it was a lot mm-hmm. um, clearer. Yeah, we I, we've really got to brush up on our wine terminology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also very scientific. Yes, but so far delicious. Yeah, and so uh, what are we watching tonight? Tonight we are watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off from 1986. So we're keeping it been a good year. Yeah. We're keeping it same year, same, Mm -hmm. um, same decade, obviously switching, um, the genre up a little bit, but, Mm -hmm. um, that way we didn't have to do research on songs and movies movies for this week. Top gun. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you don't know what the top movies and songs from 1986 are, go back and watch last week's podcast, Mm -hmm. give it a like comment, (laughs) rate and review all (laughs) all things, just a subtle plug for every platform, all of them for last week, episode Mm -hmm. eight. Um, and this this one is rated PG thirteen, so we will see yeah. how that compares to mm-hmm. what we've been watching in these PG genres. And now that we know a little bit more about the rating system, I mean, if if what the uh, previous PG, PG movies have been what they have been, then this one's going to be like practically porn. So <laughs> oh, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> have you seen it before? Uh, I have. Um, I honestly don't know if I've watched it all the way through, though. Uh, I definitely have seen like every bit of it, but I don't think I've ever sat down and actually just watched it. It's just you know. It's been mm-hmm. on, you know, so many times over the years and I'm excited to, to actually kind of sit down and like really take it in. Mm-hmm. I have also seen it mm-hmm. and I, I believe I sat and watched it all the way through. It's been a while though, like probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I mean, I remember the general gist Ferris Bueller takes his day off of school, yeah. <laughs> lives large. That's all that happens. Yep. So, um, I mix again, like you said, I'm excited to sit down and kind of really pay attention mm-hmm. and what I've enjoyed so much about this podcast so far is just the things I've started to pay attention to more and making those connections between movies and just making a dedicated effort to sit down and watch a movie every week and mm-hmm. how much 
more I'm taking from movies yeah, and enjoying it a lot in more with a little different lens and kind of you know making notes and comparisons and connections too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes excited. it a lot more enjoyable. So let's dive in. All right, let's get into Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You ready? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How was was it? (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to talk about the wine first. We're going to just jump into wine. Yes, not this wine. This is the after show box wine. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I am giving it a 7.2. For the wine? For the wine. I was going to go with a 6.7. I will say you scared me away a little bit from giving anything in the sixes because (laughs) you give me such a hard time. I was, it just feels right a lot of the time. I want to give it a 6.8, but I was like, you always give me either a 6.8 or 6.9. So I was going, that's why I paused it because I'm going to give 6. it a 6.7. 7. Um, just because I did, I feel like you've really laid claim to those, those two decimal I know, points. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was, it was good. Um, I, it wasn't too alcohol forward. Had some I thought it was complexity. really smooth. Yeah. Like the, the good, like dark fruit, the cherry, the berry flavor. Very good. Yeah, and it gave me some like dark chocolate notes too, just like very smooth. And I, I get that a lot in Pinot Noirs. And I think maybe I'm just like not a big Pinot Noir girl that I I was so caught off guard by how much I liked this. That I think it, you said every time we've had like a Pinot Noir lately, that you were like, I don't usually like these, but I really like this one. <laughs> I don't recall that at all, but mm. I liked this one a lot. Yeah. So I'm on record right now on mm-hmm. today's date. Yeah, I I think it it was I good. I one. I could have done several glasses of that and oh yeah very happy. definitely could have kept going mm-hmm. tobin james 2017 pinot noir arroyo yeah. grande valley mm-hmm. delicious good. highly recommend for the movie i'm going to give it a 7.8 you disagree no you no, hated no. It. I, did not, I did not hate it <laughs> um because i kind of want to give it a 7.2 also <laughs> like i liked it you just latch onto those numbers yeah i um it's just hard because, like, I know we're going to watch so many movies that, like, I'm mm-hmm. going to have to repeat some. And, like, I like a lot of these movies that I feel like high six, low seven is just, like, a really good place to be. Where it's a, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm having a good time with it. Yeah. But I, I was thinking about it, like, a, a couple minutes ago, like, as soon as it ended. And it was enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was on, like, TBS and I'm just happened to flip through channels and, like, it's on, probably going to, you know, watch all or most of it. Um, and I and I see through. why it was a big hype. Yeah, um, a little bit quotable with the um, you know life moves pretty fast. You don't stop like all that quote. Um, a lot Bueller. of iconic. Yeah, Bueller. yeah, that one way overquoted. That one overdone for uh, sure. It had some iconic scenes in there um, that I, I was trying to like you know figure out like if I was just giving it a base review of the movie itself, I was probably going to go like 7.2, but then I thought more about the rewatchability, the quotability, and that kind of bumped my score up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I do feel like as we are, you know, we're getting to, we're in episode nine, getting to 10, the more we do, the more I kind of figure out what the scale is for me and how mm-hmm. I feel about a movie and having the movies that we've watched in my repertoire now and having to pick a score of like, oh, I remember last week I rated it this. So like, I liked this better than that. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's so much more going through my head that it, yeah, I, I, I think I would go back now retroactively and change some of my scores just given what we've seen so far. Yeah, I need to, I need to have it laid out where I can see what I've rated things compared to other movies. Cause I'm right now, what I'm basically doing is a, like a gut instinct. This is the score. And then think about other things of like quotability, rewatchability um, and, and whatnot. And I think I'd like to standardize a bit more or at least have have 
a more relative score. Just here uh, are your scores. I do huh. have them. There you go. I am a little bit prepared. Uh, I do not have Top Gun. In there. Do I have Top Gun in there? You do have Top Gun. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably take the jerk down a little bit. I think I, I was a, a bit happy with that one and gave it a 7.7. It was fine. It probably should have been closer to 7 flat. Um, but otherwise, definitely didn't like Never Been Kissed. That yeah, was, that's that was I th- that's definitely, I think, the worst yeah. that we've seen so far. <laughs> um, Anyways, let's go with you give your description of the movie. Yeah, I, uh, not too much to say that I feel like most people at this point mm-hmm. have seen this movie or at least know the gist of it. Yeah, just sum it up Ferris for Bueller us. Ferris a high school kid that fakes being sick for a day so he can like play hooky and goes on a bunch of adventures with his friends, gets into trouble, somehow makes it back to his home just in the nick of time before his parents catch him, uh, but makes plenty of memories along the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's How my, heartwarming. That's my little, like, I've got a, this this much, like, two inches of space in the newspaper column. This is what I'm going to give my my synopsis. <laughs> hey, that was a good one. Um, and I, I wonder how that compares to what I said before the movie, more or less, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Um, according to our TV description, it says, after high school slacker Ferris Bueller successfully fakes an illness in order to skip school for the day, he goes on a series of adventures throughout Chicago with his girlfriend Sloan and his best friend Cameron, all the while trying to outwit his wily school principal and fed up sister. Yeah. Mildly more detailed than you, but. I mean, I don't feel like he was actively trying to outwit his sister. No. Definitely the principal, for sure. But his sister was more just she. She was being an older sister. Yeah. Well, she was she was trying to feel or find it out on her own, but I don't think he was really fully aware yeah. of that as much. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, makes sense. Uh, was the movie what you expected? Yeah. Yes. Because I've seen, seen it. it before. Yeah, it, it felt about right of what and, I remembered. And even I mean, kind of skipping ahead a little bit to does the title fit the movie? Yes. Yeah. And like the title, I think, kind of sets up pretty much what you expect Mm -hmm. of the movie. Yeah. If it was something where like along the lines of like uh, thinking back to like risky business, I could see some like clever naming like that of like, Mm -hmm. you know, just being called like hooky or something like that. I think this title is obviously now iconic, but fits it so well. Mm -hmm. And also, I think maybe this is a little bit more along the lines of what I was expecting for risky business. As opposed to what we got from mm-hmm. Risky Business. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe ha- because I'd seen this before and I was like, 80s movie, high schooler, getting into some mm-hmm. trouble. This is the kind of trouble I expected. Just like- so When was, when did Risky Business come 83. out? 83. 83. So this was three years later. I was actually wondering while we were watching this, I I want to look up and see, was Tom Cruise considered for this role? Obviously this came out the same year as Top Gun and he was playing an older, um, mm-hmm. you know, character then or at least older than a high schooler. But I feel like he and Matthew Roderick might be about the same sure age. I'm pretty sure they're the same age. That I could have seen. Because he was 24 when this was made. And I I'm pretty sure. Being made, like written with Tom Cruise in mind. I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise was 24 in Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And this, and Matthew Broderick was 24 in this, and they're yeah. the same year. So, but maybe they also were like, well, if he was a high schooler in this movie, and this this movie's being made three years later, we can't have Tom Cruise in it. But I very much could have seen him pl- being seen. It, w- it would be a bit different. I think mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick did an amazing job. Oh my God, so good. Fantastic. Um, but I could have seen Tom Cruise being dropped in mm-hmm. this, at that time period. And okay, so I guess apparently this is just really what I expected for ris- Risky Business now that I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it because I think I was expecting Tom Cruise's character in Risky Business to be a little bit more mm-hmm. like Ferris Bueller. More confident, sociopathic. Yeah. Yeah. And not, you know, soliciting prostitutes. <laughs> 
how well did it did it age? I think it aged well. I mean, as far as the very basic premise, mm-hmm. trying to skip school. Yeah, it, it's hard because I think a lot of it relies on some technological things. We're like not being able to like, obviously parents might text, but they could also use like find my iPhone, figure out where you are throughout the day if they were really suspicious. You're not going to be hacking into the school computer to edit your absences or mm-hmm. anything. But I mean, I think a lot of his his like the whole premise of the movie is based on mm-hmm. technology. It would look different today, but yeah. I think you could still use a lot of the technology mm-hmm. and especially maybe kids are smarter than parents these days. Who knows? Maybe parents are smarter technologi- technologically in certain ways mm-hmm. and kind of play with that somehow and turn it, dramatize it a little bit. I feel movies. like if anything, the the technological aspect, it would be like he calls his nerdy friend and his nerdy friend who happens to be a computer hacker, like yeah. and it would be way over the top silly um to to do something like that to fake. Coming from a software engineer. Yeah. That, that's not how things actually work. But I could see computer security, at least in that day day and age, if they had any sort of technological presence, there being zero security. Anyone that knew how to use a computer could probably log into those systems and change the, their oh, records yeah. if they were keeping that online in that time. So that makes sense. Um like that could be made today how like like you said it would have to be different but the concept doesn't seem too crazy mm-hmm. um what i found kind of funny though was they kept being like afraid they were gonna get caught by people that like weren't their teachers no one's gonna bat an eye about a bunch of kids like running around and be like you should be in school i'm gonna call your principal no one no one cares they were just like please like move away so we don't have to care about you but no one's gonna like think oh these are high schoolers we're totally gonna catch them playing hooky mm-hmm. And I also think, I don't know if it was like this in the 80s, having not lived in the 80s, mm-hmm. but I just feel like everyone's kind of so much more caught up in their own worlds now that I don't know, I wouldn't be paying attention to these kids in a museum or in mm-hmm. the parade or whatever. Yeah. Or if you're just going to assume like maybe they're 18 and they just mm-hmm. are there. Yeah. Like especially like legally and being high school be, seniors. Yeah. You're basically a college mm-hmm. kid at that point. They said they were going to graduate in a few months. Like, mm-hmm. The difference there is, yeah. is not much. No one's going to think twice. For sure. Um, did they say the title of the movie in the movie? No. Yeah. They definitely said Ferris Bueller. I don't think they said day off. They might have mentioned it something at some I point. Mean, they talked but, a lot about his absences, but I don't think mm-hmm. they said day off. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I feel like this movie really sets itself up to be mm-hmm. one where they'd be like, Ferris Bueller's day off. Or like something yeah. like super cheesy and cringy. But I'm going to catch it. Ferris in his little day off or something like mm-hmm. that. Were there any actors that went on to bigger things? Matthew Broderick. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> still still cracking. And uh, Jennifer Grey. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff. Uh, um, ben Stein. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his, his famous role in Ben Stein's Money. And I mean, he, I feel like he's just in <laughs> yeah, so, so many, many things. things. I was surprised he's only 78 now. And it just seems like he should be like 178. Yeah, because he, he looks so much older than mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick in this. But he's yeah. really not, it's not that big of an age ga- gap so, as what it felt like it should be. Yeah. He definitely like talked like he was a lot older. He looked younger than I expected when I saw the scene again. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm just, it's just wild to me that Ben Stein is not way older than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the school secretary, she was, she's a big voice ast- actress now. So she's mm-hmm. been in a lot of things and she, a lot of other like supporting actress roles throughout her career. So it's a pretty pretty good cast um charlie sheen obviously oh, yes and then the principal he was in clue right he was I like was he the one that played no no he was not in clue 
not thinking of another actor. He just looks like he was in other things. I do know that he um, got into some legal trouble with some uh, sex offender type things, which... This movie really sets up a lot mm, of that. Yeah. It, like seeing him trespass and try to break into a kid's home kind of fits the bill there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you told me that pretty early on in the movie mm-hmm. and the whole time I was just kind of like, yeah. 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 You're, you're a little, cre- little creepy. Um, what impact do you think this movie had on pop culture? A lot. I feel yeah. like it's referenced all the time. The anyone Bueller is like the, one of the most overrated, like cliche mm-hmm. things. Way overdone. Yeah. Um, and I think just the general idea of like how people viewed like playing hooky or a day mm-hmm. off, like could be like no one ever would actually do that. I don't think you could fit all of those things into a single day anyways. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, that's what I kept thinking about. I was like, I am physically exhausted. They went to a baseball game. They were in mm-hmm. a parade. They were at a museum. I mean, they so drove I, from the suburbs to downtown Chicago. Which I imagine takes forever on a good day. The one time we drove from Chicago to the suburbs yeah. of Chicago. It took forever. I mean, that was on a holiday weekend and like around rush hour. But yeah, yes. I, I imagine that most times it's not a, not a smooth drive in mm-hmm. and out of, of Chicago on, on a weekday, especially, um, especially cause they were trying to leave somewhere around rush hour. Uh, I had a, had a note about like where, or why, why do they keep wasting so much time knowing they wanted to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, they're just hanging out around their house. He's taking time, calling his friend, going over to his house, talking to him, going back yeah. and forth. What time do they even leave? That there, I, I did a quick Google search that there is a, um, like a website trying to like map out a timeline they, but they call it like the impossible timeline. Of I love Google the or, internet so yeah. much. Um, People of the internet are amazing. And he must've spent like two minutes at the baseball game, like five minutes at the museum. Like there's, there's not really any way anyone could possibly do all this, especially cause the school day is really like six to seven hours. It's not a, you know, f- even a full time. And obviously it's more around the parents work day, but unless the parents get to work at like 7am and get home at 7pm, you're still, trying to crunch a lot into a single day i doubt his mom is a realtor is getting to work at 7 a.m mm-hmm. no one is really itching to buy a house at 7 a.m yeah it's uh it, it seemed way too much into one day for <sighs> for not really any reason like the whole baseball scene and some of those other things could have been left out to make it seem more practical but mm-hmm. it's a movie it's fun oh, i love that someone sat down to try to figure that out that's amazing mm-hmm. i'd love to look at that I mean, I was going to do it myself until I quick, I was like, someone's probably done this before. But the final question is, do you feel cultured after watching it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'd seen it before, right. but I think it was good to see it again and to kind of have it yeah. fresh. And I don't think you could like say like, I know a lot of the pop pop culture movies without having seen this hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like it's, it's very, you know, well quoted and, and everyone kind of knows a lot of the iconic scenes, the parade scene and all that. Um, I don't know how much it really influenced other movies. I imagine it influencing a lot more like, um, kid shows or uh things along those lines of like what a day off could be like or what playing mm-hmm. could be like i could i could see like a, a recess episode being based off of this or some other you know cartoon show mm-hmm. like doug or something uh being influenced by it yeah and i think i enjoyed it from having watched a bunch of 70s comedies and then watched a, like action 80s movies and then seeing what 80s comedies were i think mm-hmm. just like adding that to our culture backlog mm-hmm. Yeah, plus there's a lot of gifts that um, I've seen mm-hmm. at least the one of Cameron's like face in several of them that definitely le- leads into the uh, the pop culture of today's memes. All right, you want to go first with your notes? Yeah. Um, so my first note was that it's, it was directed or at least written by, directed by um, John Hughes. And Classic. I feel like it had a lot of those similar like, you know, vibes of a John Hughes movie um, of like just really going like in on the 
adolescent teenager lifestyle mm-hmm. and felt very familiar to all the other like John Hughes movies. Sure. Um, had a list of all the characters we've already talked about or the actors. Um, the, the beginning parts uh, where he's breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferris is like talking to the, the camera, going through like showing some graphics on the scene as he's like talking. It felt very much like today's modern YouTube videos, especially like a Wheezy Waiter video. Oh my God, I totally, where I totally agree. He's going through his life, you know, his life, because his day, he's kind of talking, walking up to the camera, showing like some text on the screen. Yeah, got like his like checklist going. Mm-hmm. And that I'm, he didn't really do that much towards the rest of the movie. He definitely died off very quickly in. I would have loved to have seen that keep going mm-hmm. just to, to make some continuity throughout the and whole he movie. He did break the fourth wall a little bit towards the end, but it was more just like making eyes at the camera or like a, a knowing. A Jim you know, Halpert. Yeah. But in the beginning, it felt like I was watching like a YouTube video. 100%. Especially once the text started popping up on the screen. I was like, mm-hmm. are we watching something from yeah. the 80s or from right now? And I wonder like what, like how easy that was to add those text and graphics obviously you've got credits shown overlaid in movies mm-hmm. um before and after I hadn't that, even but, about that but was that you know effort to put that in mm-hmm. and overlay that when you're when you're working with film versus working with digital the uh ben stein ad lib where he's the teacher uh i did know going into it that there was no script for that when he's talking about the economic lessons they just told him go ahead and get talk about economics uh, give like just rant about something you find interesting and he just went and talked for a while and um it's no one really pays much attention to what he does talk about but apparently it all like is very real makes sense and was interesting to him and he just was you know like i can't believe people don't find this super interesting (laughs) i also just like on that note ish the two high school teachers that they really showed were the like English professor or professor. It looked like mm-hmm. it was in a college room, which is why I say professor. That the English teacher, the mm-hmm. old guy who's just droning on and on, and then there's Ben Stein, mm-hmm. just like droning on and on and on. And I just thought that like their idea of what a high school teacher was is definitely not what a high school teacher is right now. Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like I mean it's so much more women, and like as a former teacher, like. Mm-hmm. Every, I mean, even up through high school, it's like, what kind of like theatrics can I put on to mm-hmm. entertain you and to get you excited about what I'm trying to teach you right now? It 100% felt like a John Hughes hears a, a very characterized version of what yep. a teacher is like mm-hmm. and showing all the bored kids like drooling and falling asleep at their desk. Felt very much like he was trying to show like school is so boring, school is so boring, just to contrast with the, uh, you could be uh, outside doing for sure. fun things, learning, like being cultured by being in a parade and all that. Um but that actually uh, leads me into uh, my next note of it's it wasn't realistic having an admin that like cares a, a cares so much about someone missing school. Uh, I feel like nowadays it's more just like you know I'll make the note of that, but I'm not going to go track down a kid, let alone like go to his house. I was going to say like I had a note. You might care like emotionally, mm-hmm. but no admin physically has the time to mm-hmm. leave school during the school day because. I don't think admins sit down ever. Like mm-hmm. I think they are just constantly like room to room to room to like solving problems, putting out fires, mm-hmm. all that stuff that like, Oh yeah, let me just leave school for the entire day to track down this one kid. Yeah. You might make a phone call nope. to like the parents or make a note of it somewhere, but you're not going to go like actually to their house or that's um, something you address after the bell rings. Trespass, try to look in their window. Like, no, absolutely not. No admin has that much time, patience, desire. Like it's that's, and everybody's so burnt out now. No, care about. no one can. No one, no one can do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, we talked about how we'd have 
no nowhere near enough time to do all these things in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have to be over several several days to do that. Um, I thought it was funny the what I called drone shots uh, when they're going through Chicago was very much a helicopter flight and it was not stabilized. Like I was going to say, I noticed the stabilization was yeah. It didn't lacking. feel very like obviously most drones now have the gimbal and feel very smooth. Uh, but in addition to that, the the shot of Jennifer Grey at the end of a hall where they're zooming in on her, I thought it was interesting they didn't use like a dolly shot or some sort of like stabilization. To, like it very much, you could tell it was someone walking with the camera where it was kind of bumping a little bit as they were taking yeah. steps. And that didn't like fit with- and I don't really know, understand why. Was, I feel like there was probably a reason, but I don't mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they could have done something smoother. Mm-hmm. I just don't really know why if they were trying to make it seem- like a human was actually walking, but she's sitting there like kind of talk. I think she's just staring at the camera, but like voicing over her thoughts of like, I'm going to catch Ferris. And yeah, just found that, that artistic decision. Interesting. For sure. Um, vanity plates galore. There were so many, like, I think was the mom trying to sell like vacation homes. Is that what she was doing. Um, so I did a, a quick deep dive mm-hmm. while we were watching or while the credits were rolling. Cause I also had a note about the vanity plates and they were all intentionally done. Mm-hmm. So, um, Cameron's dad, was, Cameron's dad was nervous just cause you're like nervous. You're gonna be caught all day long. Mm-hmm. The mom was vacation because John Hughes had recently directed national lampoons vacation and they were hoping like enough audiences were mm-hmm. still like loving that movie that they Easter would notice egg. that the, um, principles was, um, for F B D O for Ferris Bueller's day off. Oh. and um, there was like, there's a couple more. I, I saw his and I was like, his doesn't really make any sense. Maybe his is supposed to be like random because he's supposed to be a poor teacher. Or something. They were all very intentional. Uh. And cause I noticed it too. And I, th- and I thought the same thing about his, I was like, Oh, his must not be as obvious as those other ones are. Um, I think there's one for the sister too. I didn't finish reading the article, mm-hmm. but there was one there like every vanity or every license plate that you see has a reason behind it. And mm-hmm. I will link that article in a story for this episode yeah. also um, back to the sister though i don't have a, a note on this one but when she's driving home to catch him uh she's like flooring it through residential streets the cops are coming after her and then we never see the cops does she like lose them is the mom not freaking out in the passenger seat being like pull over pull over pull over there's cops behind us yeah as soon as the cops started following the mom stopped like they stopped showing them inside mm-hmm. the car she, the mom you there it was when the mom and dad are talking outside the house. She said that she got a speeding ticket and then mm. another one or so. Like she references getting gotcha. tickets, but we don't see that. It's something unnecessary to have them. Like it, she could have been flooring it or run it, but she didn't necessarily need to have the cops to then not see them on camera. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's a deleted scene or something. Are there weekday parades like commonly in Chicago? I, I assume it was like I a also holiday. Yeah. This. <laughs> um, like what? It seems very impractical to have that in the middle of the weekday, like the workday. Especially like in a major city, like people work there. Like it's mm-hmm. such a like heavy like traffic zone. To lock like, down any, if not multiple streets, would just be absolute chaos. I'm sure Chicago has enough traffic problems as it is. They don't need weekday parades for mm-hmm. some German holiday shutting everything down. Yep. Very very odd. Um, the all the so the, all the save Ferris signs. Um. I always found it interesting because I know one of the first times I watched it, my sister pointed out Save Ferris was actually a band in the 90s. So it's like a ska band that mm-hmm. named after Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I was young when I first saw that, but didn't really put it together that that, that band was formed like 10 plus or 10 years after the movie came out. Mm-hmm. That I thought it was like a reference. She explained it to me, leading me to believe that it was a reference to the band. 
but the band was a reference to oh sweet baby that. andrew <laughs> okay i'm sorry i'm not up to date on ska bands in the 80s and 90s no. i mean <laughs> i would have absolutely fallen for the same yeah. thing but just yeah because so i remember her pointing out like oh save paris like the band and i was like oh it's a reference to the band no the, the band was much later but um they, they had a lot of the save ferris signs there from can the, we also just talk about his name for a second like his first mm-hmm. name is ferris do you yeah. know anybody named ferris nope unless maybe the guy that invented the wheel i don't know right and like that was his last yeah. name is that a, is and, that a and deeper he, things he goes around and, and round, maybe because it's in chicago i don't know like the whole uh, world's fair ferris wheel was in chicago so i don't maybe yeah that has I some find it kind of crossover there but yeah um what was the the movie in the like 90s or 2000s the max keebler's big move or something mm-hmm. i feel like that's a more common name i was in max i'm trying to think of other movies that like the kids uh teenage movies that have like the full name in it and i feel like it's a very unique name to have in there i love that connection to max keebler's big move because it's very much a similar a full name to to words, ty- yeah. like type title is an action yeah i don't know that i've seen that movie but i do remember it was it was hype for a while i'm now i'm thinking about it it probably was directly influenced by this so we're gonna watch that sometime soon i don't hate <laughs> it i really don't i haven't watched that in 20 years but yeah we're gonna watch that I need a making of the parade scene though. I, w- I want to see what all went into it because there's a lot of over the top like dancing that was very much more than just, hey, we have some extras or we, we have something going on in the background. It was like, hey, we're going to hire a bunch of like street performers to go do some full on choreographed dancing during this parade scene. So I did also look up because <laughs> I was concerned about the midweek parade. I was just like, what, mm-hmm. what is that? Yeah. And apparently they happened to be filming in Chicago when an actual parade was happening, mm-hmm. the Von Steuben Day Parade. And mm-hmm. so they got, I don't know, I didn't read too much because I was obviously watching the movie that I mm-hmm. got enough to like understand that there was a real parade that they weren't really planning on. So they got some of the like B-roll scenes or like mm-hmm. some of the scenes for that. I think they went back and shot more yeah. afterwards, but there was some kind of crossover with some of that stuff. With, with just like happenstance. Hey, it's one of these crazy things. Oh, there's a parade in town today. Go ahead and we're going to throw throw Ferris Bueller into this parade as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But yeah, I still want to see more of the, the making of it because it seemed like there was mm-hmm. just so much going on. So many people in there. And I just feel like a whole making of that movie would be really fascinating. The, mm-hmm. Like all the, um, like the things in his bedroom with the um, trophy hanging on the door mm-hmm. and just like yeah, he seemed thinking to be about all that stuff. Some sort of like sociopath, genius, engineer, slash like he would have like gone on to like lead some sort of like country in some sort of crazy revolution someday. Like the, the, the mind power and engineering power he had just. Apparently John Hughes is quoted as saying that Ferris Bueller would either be president of the United States or in prison. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. I totally agree there, Johnny. Um, and then there was the, the singing telegrams that showed up for Ferris at some point where mm-hmm. I guess the school or someone had sent them. Mm-hmm. And they also had that in the movie clue and I, were singing telegrams a thing? Is that? I exclusively know of singing telegrams from the movie Clue. And Elf. That's a Christmas gram. <laughs> That's here with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, other than those times, I'm not really sure I've ever thought of like a singing telegram. Is that something oh, that exists they today? Also, there are some in Friends too. Also, do you want to have like a new startup idea where we. Don't you ever send me a singing <laughs> telegram. No, we're sending other people telegrams. telegrams. I'm just putting it out there. Okay. I, I don't want one. Do not send me one. <laughs> Is this one of those like, I want one? No, I don't. Okay. I do I do not. I do not want one. 
We'll see. Oh my. <laughs> okay, if you send me one, I'm going to send you one. Someone to come and talk to you at the door. All right, we'll have some rival telegrams. <laughs> oh, God. This is too much for me. I hate this. <laughs> uh, but that's the, uh, that's the end of my notes. Um. So my first note is the perspective cam of him from in bed, which kind of gave me similar risky business vibes where he was like at the beginning of risky business where it was that one like follow shot where you only see his parents, but you don't see mm-hmm. Tom Cruise for so long that, you know, he's Ferris like Bueller's in bed and he's, he's looking up at his parents. It kind of gave me that similar mm-hmm. um, like videography perspective, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you talked about breaking the fourth wall, which I remembered from the movie, yeah. but just something that you don't see very often and it's always almost like alarming at first mm-hmm. when you first start watching something where they're breaking it was really the big wall. on breaking the fourth wall and i know i guess in home alone macaulay culkin kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit like talking to the pause camera. for just a second because my next note is i got a lot of home alone vibes from this huh. oh there it is and i mean obviously i knew three I years knew, later i knew that like this that home alone came out after this mm-hmm. but i think uh, and John Hughes wrote it, and obviously there were some similarities there. Where I feel like Macaulay Cogan doesn't fully break the fourth wall as much as he's like talking to himself mm-hmm. as like I'm home alone, like I'm gonna brush my hair in the mirror mm-hmm. and talk to myself in the mirror, or like this whole ice cream all to myself, or like this whole cheese pizza all to myself. Yeah, but it's a lot more he's like to my, himself. At least in Home Alone too. Like my parents are in Florida and I'm in New York. My parents are in Florida. I'm in New York and does like the eyebrow thing. Mm-hmm. He's kind of talking to the camera there. I, th- I feel like it's more like looks. He's like talking to himself, mm-hmm. but it's like looks to the camera. Yeah. But definitely not as as intense as oh, this one is. It's nothing along the lines of this. But I I appreciated Home Alone more, seeing mm-hmm. that this came first and just like him in his robe. And I th- also feel like there was some similar. Obviously, Macaulay Culkin was a child, and mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller was twenty four years old. Or sorry. Matthew Broderick was 24 years old. Macaulay Culkin is not that old. Unless he's some sort of weird like Benjamin Button disease or something. Um, That Matthew Broderick was 24 when this was filmed. That there there were some differences there. But I I felt like even just like how they talked Mm -hmm. in their performances and like their like mouths and facial structures felt really similar. In the bathroom. Like John Hughes, it felt, this felt very much like a John Hughes movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like all the the hijinks too, where you have or you see Ferris Bueller talking to the camera like about something else, and you see him tying the rope, mm-hmm. and then you see later scene that like the mom opens the door, but this the trophy is using the string that mm-hmm. he was tying around the trophy earlier, was weighting it down, and just like and just all of that so stuff. Much stuff in a house also felt very much like a very true. But I don't know if that was just what it was like in the eighties and nineties of just having so much like stuff in a house, but also just like. What was John Hughes's house like? Did he have a bunch of booby traps set up at all times? Where mm-hmm. like if someone rings the doorbell, this tape plays, and like you open my bedroom door, and this mannequin sits up, it's and probably it's his just dream for someone to get caught in just, those booby traps. Just like the kind of engine mental engineering that takes to be like, okay, we're gonna have this here, and that's gonna mm-hmm. make you think this and do this, and just so much yeah, overlap. All there, the protagonists cool. in his movies must have been like crazy engineering sociopaths or something. We know Macaulay Culkin <laughs> or uh, uh, Kevin McAllister was definitely some sort of sociopath oh. to try to have so much. For sure. Violence against some... Lighting their heads on fire, mm-hmm. burning their hand. I mean, stepping uh, on the nail. But uh, I wonder, though, thinking now about the fourth wall thing, how common it was to break the fourth wall that intently, especially mm-hmm. with, like, the overlays on the screen. Was this one of the first ones? Mm-hmm. And I guess for the cultural significance, I feel like this at least influence what I think is like YouTube nowadays of having talking to the camera, having the text overlaid just felt very much like it mm-hmm. was YouTube before YouTube. But um, 
yeah, I, I want to look more into into how that was kind of perceived. Was that more common to have the fourth wall broken, mm-hmm. or was that was this revolutionary? For sure, definitely be interesting to find out. Um, my next note is technology, and we kind of touched on this at the beginning of like how he has all of the like coughing, sneezing sounds programmed into his keyboard and the stereo system and like how much it relied on answering machines of this Mm -hmm. calls to this and do this. And like that, obviously that was super technologically advanced for 1986 Mm -hmm. and it feels so outdated now, but it's like very impressive thinking like they didn't have the smartphones and the apps and the, the digital stuff that we have today Mm -hmm. and just how cool that was. To rig all that up. effort that would have taken to do, but now right. that you expl- uh, talk about that, though, reminds me of like Home Alone two with the the talk boy and mm-hmm. the, the little refrigerator you have to open with a key, like that with like recording. <laughs> that was a really good impression. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> but like having to do that and the you know connecting all those things together and like anticipating what people are going to say or ask mm-hmm. with like the doorbell was very much like uh, trying to rent that hotel room you have to kind of anticipate what they're going to say so you could pre-record it and play it back mr McAllister, the father the father (laughs) our invitations are really good (laughs) but i mean obviously we kind of talked about that too in the like could this be made today that that would be different but Mm -hmm. how cool it was at the time i'm sure too in the 80s being like oh man using this for this and like that's not something that most everyday people would think of and it takes a sociopath genius to Mm -hmm. connect all that stuff together i mean now i feel like people get a lot more lazy on the technology part and they're just like oh the the kid would be a a computer genius and have just like hacked their way through it whereas this would took more ingenuity to be like they're gonna Mm -hmm. record on this hook this recorder up to the doorbell thing like more possible Mm -hmm. than just like oh we're gonna hand wave it away with just computer hackery Mm mm-hmm and then my next note is, so you're faking sick, taking the day off of school, mm-hmm. and the first thing you're do- going to do is put on a suit. Mm-hmm. I mean, like pants, jacket, tie, is that really what you want to do on your day off? I mean, obviously he mm-hmm. doesn't keep that off and on, and I don't really know, I guess the suit is to get Sloan out of school. But he's wearing like he's a wearing, trench coat yeah. in that part. And then they immediately What's the suit change, for? Yeah. Is it mm-hmm. just to get Cameron to... Mm-hmm. I don't I, so I just camera changes understand. out of that into his like he has got like suspenders on then he changes into his hockey jersey shirt mm-hmm. whatever and then later back into that yeah I thought the same thing yeah this the suit just felt like I mean mm-hmm. as someone who as soon as the day is over is like I'm not wearing Suits are not real pants anymore not I'm not wearing like I'm putting my pajamas on as soon as it's bedtime mm-hmm. or like relaxing time that like oh I'm gonna just like take a day off of school putting on a suit just didn't feel like a, mm-hmm. a a right choice for me. Um, and then you talked about the vanity plates. I will deep dive the rest of those because I do feel like that's super interesting and I'd like to see what the other ones, mm-hmm. what they all meant. Because I, I saw, especially the vacation one, that I was like, VCTN. Vatican. No. And I was like, Vicky Victim. Houses. Victim. I, like, I don't know. I was like, she's a realtor, just like mm-hmm. trying to come up with something that that could be. And you're like, could it be vacation? That to see that it, it had like a real like, outside meaning to it was really cool that i'd mm-hmm. be interested to see what the other ones were um can we just talk about cameron's anxiety like he mm-hmm. very much had like some trauma and some anxiety like he talks about how his parents are really unhappy mm-hmm. and i mean i think it's interesting that they had that as like a character trait for him in the 80s because we were not as big on mental health then 
but I they did not handle it very well. And it was just like, oh, he just like gets nervous and yeah. And then at the end, they're they're like, obviously after the the car crashes through the window, he's like, oh, I'm I'm gonna confront my dad. I'm gonna talk to him, and everyone's like happy that he's doing that. I'm like, this kid might get like beaten to smithereens, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. this this seems like it's not something to be like a happy like oh good he's finally like got a backbone. No, dude, like. I feel like the dad's going to lose it and this could be dangerous for everyone or like, you know, if not physically, at least like emotionally and mentally. Yeah. yeah. There's obviously a lot of trauma that leads to someone going into a catatonic state when something like happens. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. There was just so much there where I was just like, someone just really needs mm-hmm. to help him because yikes. And um, like Ferris is like, you know, he's happier when he's like, sick than when he's healthier i mean there was some Mm -hmm. kind of something like that where i was like this guy definitely has some true anxiety for a reason like Mm -hmm. it seems like his parents are really unhappy and don't have a super stable environment for him at home that i feel like it would be a little bit more um handled differently nowadays so we kind of talked about how much planning it took for the the door the doorbell and the you know anticipating Mm -hmm. what people are going to say and all that stuff but also who plans out this whole day like did this were you all like okay we're i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna call cameron and i'm gonna convince him and mm-hmm. then we're gonna go pick up sloan and then that'll be at this time and we talked about the agenda like the like timing but like did you pre-plan that you were gonna go to the baseball game and you were gonna go to the museum and you were gonna go 100 like, because before then there was no tiktok there was no instagram there's nothing else to like waste all your time you did so you would sit there and you'd plan did have the time things. to do that i remember like in my like notebooks in school when i get bored throughout the day planning so many things of like what I was going to do on my video game. I would plan out like entire characters. I was going to take me like, you know, hundreds of hours to create in, in a video game because I had nothing better to do that. I would plot those things down to like the, the second almost that I very much see that of like, I'm going to plot this day out for years or at least weeks. And I'm going to figure out what all these things are. Yeah. That makes me feel better. Cause now that you say it, I did have a very, very long list of all of the things I would have inside of my mansion when I was super, super mm-hmm. rich. When one you were going to drive your limo around? Yeah, I was going to drive my limo around because <laughs> that was a practical vehicle as an option in the MASH game. And I was going to have a mansion with a Taco Bell inside of it and probably a limited too because it was the early 2000s and a roller coaster and all that fun stuff. But Taco would, Bell was, I remember that being pretty high on my list. I would love to have a Taco Bell in my mansion. I never <laughs> thought about that. And that's why we're married yeah um but but anyways just their agenda for the day is like like you said it was a lot of things but how much of that was pre-planned or just like yolo let's go here let's go here the parade clearly was not planned but (laughs) in that Um, world it might have been and then when after the parade when they're in the taxi and they see their see his dad mm-hmm. and he's reading the article. This isn't like a true crossover, but he's reading the Chicago Sun Times, which is the newspaper that Drew Barrymore worked for in Never Been Kissed. So it was a little bit of a crossover uh, from one of our other culture night. They were clearly movies. throwing back to our other movies. And obviously Never Been Kissed came out after this. Time travel. <laughs> so it was not a direct reference. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I read it, I was like, hmm, that that is from never been kissed so All one big universe like a little bit of like a half reference to mm-hmm. another movie that we've seen so far crazy i feel like we had like we watched the graduate and then we had a reference in never been kissed mm-hmm. and then we haven't had any other like crossovers yet go, like uh like charlie and it's always sunny and have a, uh, a board where we're just plotting all the oh my gosh i love it and we just them. like feel really crazy <laughs> and we just scream about everything mm-hmm. oh, i love it so that's apparently my last note but yeah 
I've, I've very much enjoyed this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I feel like it's just like a nice movie that I'd like to watch in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. Just very lighthearted, very easy to follow. But one more note that I didn't write down, but that I think we should talk about is that it was rated PG 13. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was like the least he, he aggressive. Like a, a um, Microsoft paint like boobs drawn on there. Um, but think about all the other PG movies that mm-hmm. we've watched that this one feels a lot more tape. I mean, like maybe take the like two pictures of boobs out of it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a very, very yeah. tame that I don't, I don't know that PG I understand 13. the PG 13. Unless it was rated PG 13 to get more people to watch it. I feel like, you know, people are like, oh man, it's PG 13 is going to be like a lot more like cussing mm-hmm. and boobs and like to get the, the teens to watch marketing it. marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought of that. But speaking of getting people to watch it, I'm also impressed that they got us to watch all the way through the credits because they (laughs) were able to have like a kind of a post credits thing like during the credits where he's um, the principal is like getting on a bus or not principal, the dean of students getting on a bus and then um, Ferris Bueller like comes out and like talks to the camera for like 20 seconds and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, credits are over. Holy crap, we watched the whole credits. You don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. Dis- okay. Disney does put the little nuggets at the end of their after the credits. Yes, but, but you know to stay mm-hmm. and watch till the end of the credits mm-hmm. if you're but watching. You should have like zoning theaters. out or like talking or being like, "Can we fast forward through this?" Or we'll wait for it. That's so true. this was like, "Hey, I'm going to keep watching, keep watching, keep watching," and I've seen all the credits. Now, did I look at to see who played Best Boy or uh, first first <laughs> our key fa- grip or whatever favorite, uh, whatever those roles are? No, I didn't. But positions, I was present while all the credits rolled so I, I i think that's really interesting just how movies are presented over time mm-hmm. where like back in the day there was these really long introductions with all the credits at the beginning and then doing things like this where they're trying to get you to stay i, I think it's just like interesting. Now i'm how curious like if this is shown on tv do they skip through all that or do they show all of the, the those post-credit things i mean like, it's probably in a little tiny square and you're modified to fit your tv screen they're going to cut that thing out or yeah mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. But another good episode. Mm-hmm. And um, ready for next week. Episode 10. Yeah. I'm so proud of us. Double digits next week. Yes. Cheers. See you there. See you next week. Yeah.